Um, okay, so what I want to do, if you don't mind, to please indulge me for the, the first one, like literally one minute, I'd like to go back to Samach Zayin Amid Beis um, and just Ema, um, three lines from the bottom, because when I recorded this on Friday, I don't think I did a good job. Just the last three lines. So the just the flow of the Gemara, just to finish up yesterday's daf, just... In the Dharam, I think is I, I don't know. Uh, just to to finish up the the I don't know the finish up the concept from yesterday's daf, which is the Gemara is trying to figure out the source that a girl after Arison, both the father and the husband are both mefar her neder. So the parshas three parshios. There's the first parsha, which is a, a father being mefar the single daughters. The third parsha is the husband being mefar his wife after full nesuin. And then there's the middle one, which is ambiguous, and the Gemara is basically proving the middle one must be referring to a case where it's a husband after Kedushin, and it must be that the, the, the father and the husband are both together, Mefar. So the Gemara just said, So the Gemara says, maybe like this, maybe the second parasha is Taka talking about a girl after Kedushin. And the husband can be mefar entirely without the father. And maybe the third parish is also talking about a girl after Nesuin. So the second is after Kedushin, the third is after Nesuin. The second is the husband can be mefar entirely. And after Nesuin also could be mefar entirely. So you can ask Akasha, why do I need the third parish? If I know the husband can be mefar entirely after Kedushin, Kavachimer, after Nesuin. So the Gemara says, Ema, perhaps, in Perhaps, you're right, it's unnecessary. Really, the second parasha is a girl after Kedushin. And the husband maybe can be Mefar entirely without the father. And you'll say, that why do you need the third parasha for to say that the husband can be Mefar after Nesuin? It's just to tell you that the husband can be Mefar after Nesuin, but not before Nesuin. Maybe that's the purpose of it. But really, after Kedushin, the husband can be Mefar entirely. So the Gemara says, Uminei, Aris Mefar Bekaidmin. The reason why that's a flawed argument, it is true that a girl after Kedushin the husband could be mefar entirely, but not the nidarim that she did before they got married. That's true. Here's the halacha, though. After Arisin, the husband can be mefar, but the husband's also able to be mefar what she made before, as we'll see in the next Mishnah. So you're gonna, so you're gonna say like this: After Nesuin, the husband can be mefar entirely, but he can't be mefar before. That's at, when she's entirely in his jurisdiction. But after kedushin, you're saying he could be mefar entirely. But he could also be Mefar, Nadarm that she made before. How could his power be stronger after Kedushin than after Nesuin? It must be It must be the reason why he's stronger after Kedushin is because of strength in numbers. It's because the person who's being Mefar after Kedushin is not just the husband. It's the husband and the father. And therefore the husband takes care of the elements of the Nadarim after Kedushin, and the, hus- the father's chaylik takes care before. So even if you wanted to argue that that's the source, that'll still prove that after Kedushin it's the father and the husband. Okay, so basically what we've had is we've proven... No. 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 It can't. After Nesuin, cannot. No, no, after Arison. Yes, yes. The reason is because the person being Mayfire, so how could that be? The answer is because when after after Kedushin, the one who's removing the vows is not just the husband, it's the husband and the father. So you have strength in numbers. That's the only explanation. Because if it's just the fa- if it's just the husband, it doesn't make sense that as he 
is more in control of her, he has less ability to revoke the vows. It must be, that's exactly the point. It must be that after Kedushan, after Nesuin are different. What's the difference? After Nesuin, it's just the husband. After Kedushan, it's the husband and the father. That's the only way to explain it. Okay. So that, that, that was just wanted to, because I didn't explain that well on Friday. So here's the deal. This is, this is all to prove that the husband and the father can be made for the Nadarim after Kedushan, and the source is from the second Parsha. Fine. New Gemara. Debei Rav Yishmol, Tana, Debei Rav Yishmol has a different source, that a girl after Kedushin, the father and the husband can be made for the Nadarim, and it's not from the second parasha, it's from a different Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Bein ish ishto, bein av levito. The Pasuk describes, the full Pasuk is, Eilach hukim ha-shesh tevashem, bein ish l'ishto, bein av levito, bein ura The Pasuk summarizes after all these halachas, says these are the halachas of bein ish l'ishto, bein av levito. So that, that kind of sounds like it's talking about a woman who's bein ishla ishto, bein avla vito, that he's, she's sort of between her husband and her dad. Who's that? Kedushin. So it must be, and, and, and who, and who, and who uh, is Mefar? Both ish and bal. So there you go. That, that's, he, he learns that from this pasuk. Okay. So the Gemara says, fine, that's fair. Fine, fair enough. So what does Tanadabar Vishmal do with yesterday's psukim? Right? According to the Nebrei Vishmal, the source that a girl after Kedushin, the husband and the father are made for us from this Pasuk. So what do you do with the second parasha from yesterday? What do they do with the Pasuk from yesterday? So you have two sources that, uh, that, uh, that after girl after Kedushin, it's the husband and the father. We have yesterday's source and today's source. So what does the Nebrei Vishmal do with yesterday's source? The answer is, They use it for a different teaching of Rava, Rabba, it's unclear in the Gersos, who's this? Uh, Rabba, Pasha's Rabba. They use it for a different teaching of Rabba. What's that teaching? As we'll see, this is in um, this is on Daf Ayans. This is in two days. That Rabba has two drashas. The second drasha he uses this pasuk, the, the pasuk from yesterday, to tell you the following halacha. You have to you have a girl that's after kedushin. So when she's after kedushin, it's the husband and the father. Then the husband dies. Then she does kedushin a second time. So after Kedushin the second time, it's a different person. So Kedushin, husband died, Kedushin the second time, who's made for the Nadarim the second time? Again, the husband and the father. Meaning, after Kedushin, when husband dies, she goes back to her dad's house. Meaning it's sort of, it's sort of, you go back, you go backwards. That's only true after Kedushin, not after Nesuin. So the source that after Kedushin, she goes back to her father's house, and then when she does Kedushin a second time, it's like back to combo, that's from that second possible. Okay. That's again, it's drushes in two days. We'll figure the Gemara will go through these drushes. But the, this is all talked about when she's not a Correct. So the Gemara says, okay, so yesterday's Gemara, what do they do with this Pasuk of Tanbrevi Shmal from today, right? Tanbrevi Shmal said, is talking about Narimarasa. We already know this from yesterday's daf. So according to the opinion of yesterday's daf, what do you do with today's Pasuk of Tanbrevi Shmal? So the Gemara says, it's to teach you what type of nedarim the husband can be made for. This is something people misunderstand. They think that the, you can ask yourself, Akasha, if the husband can be made for, then when, when, why do you ever need hatar sedarim? The answer is the husband can't be made for all nedarim. The husband can be made for from the pasuk. The pasuk describes the nedarim that the husband can be made for are things that are against him. So if she makes a nedar like, you can't eat, you can, he, could, he could definitely nullify those. But now this Pasuk, is Bein Ishle Ishto, tells you he also could be Mefar Nedarim that affect their relationship. Like not having relations or certain things. The Gemara is going to go through which ones. 
But so if she just makes another that she's not not going to eat chal v'sral, like whatever, he can't be made for that. But it has to be either things that are against him or affect their relationship. The definition of how far that's we've had once before. If any Zichra people are, were here, they would tell me what daf. I don't remember what daf, but we had this once before. And the Gemara is going to address this later on. So that you learn now from Bein Ish Ishta. Okay, <coughs> fine. Fine. Iboilu, here's the kasha. It's a very fa- fascinating kasha. The way my brain works, I'll describe you how I see the kasha. I've, it's strange. But here's the kasha. Iboilu, I have a kasha. Let's say we said that you, you have a girl after Kedushin, the husband and the father both nullified the vows, 50%. The question is, is it Baal Megas Gaiz a Maklish Kalish? Let's say the husband is revoking 50%. Is he entirely removing his 50% of the vow, but the father's 50% of the vow is still intact? So would or the vow still be intact regardless? Oh, what do you mean? If she, if she says, I'm not going to eat... Uh, yeah, whatever. whatever. Whatever it is, right? So great, so the father takes away 50%, but the 50%, she still has that letter well, in effect. Well, true. Here's the question, though. Is it... No, here's the question. Is it 50% of the nether is still intact, or is it 100% of the nether 50% intact? What I mean is like this. Think of it as two squares, two boxes. There's the husband side and the father side. When the husband removes his part of the vow, is he taking his side and there's a full box left? Or is the husband slicing down the middle and just weakening the entire vow, but he didn't remove his chalik? What do I mean? What's the nafkamina? So basically, is the husband removing 100% of his 50% or 50% of the 100%? I know that sounds very strange, but... The... <laughs> huh? What? He weakens. I mean, basically, is the husband slicing the vow in half, but what he leaves over is 100% still strong? Or is he overall weakening the vow? What's the nafkamina? The nafkamina is as follows. Kegoin, hechi kambayla, what's the nafkamina? Kegoin, the nudger mitrain zaysen. A woman says she's not going to eat two olives, two olives, two zaysen. She's not going to eat two olives. Bishama aris. The husband, after Kedushin, hears about it. He removes the vow. See, here's the Shiloh. Did he just make one olive mutter and one olive usher? Or did he just make it both olives are kind of usher? That's the Shiloh. Meaning, is one olive still as usher before? We, by the way, you don't know which one, so she has to eat both. But that's the Shiloh. It's a very, it's a Tifa Shiloh. Is it when he, she made another, she's not going to eat two olives. So there's the husband olive, the father olive, right? The husband says, I remove my half of the vow, nullified. Is it that both olives are just still kind of usher, but they're not as usher as they were before? Or one olive is completely mutter, one olive is completely usher. You just don't know which one. What's the question is, is 50% across the side or the, in my head, that's how I look at it. It doesn't matter. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna overcomplicate it further. But the point is, she asked two olives, and then the husband removes the vow of one olive, half of it. So the kasha is: is one olive a hundred percent still aser? Meaning, and if she were to eat that olive, now you don't know which one, so she has to eat both. She, if she were to eat that olive, that's aser. She would have to bring a carbon, or no? Both olives are just now not as aser. So there's no carbon left, but there's an isa deraisa. Why is he doing half? Because the assumption is. 
then it's meaningless. It's got to be something. It's got to do something. Well, then how does it work when the, when the husband, then when the father removes it, then all of a sudden... Okay, that's a different... That's a, the Gemara is obviously assuming that it's definitely accomplishing something. The question is, is it accomplishing 100% of 50 or 50% of 100? But that it's a, it's definitely accomplishing something. I hear what you're saying, but the Gemara is obviously assuming it's accomplishing something. The question is, are these two olives... They're both just less usher than they were, or is one olive a hundred percent mutter and one olive a hundred percent usher? The nafkamina is if you eat both olives. Now she has to eat both olives because we don't know which which one she removed because it's it's all esoteric. But so she eats both olives. Is she going to have to get lashes or not? If one olive is still a hundred percent usher, so she ate an olive, which is the shear, of a nether, a hundred percent. She's she gets malchus and and. and but if it's that he doesn't remove entirely one half, he just weakens the entire nether, just weakens it, then if she eats both halves, she's going to be over nisser, but she's not going to get lashes. That's the shayla. Are you weakening the nether, or it's just, it's 100% strong, it's just half of what it was? Or is it just overall weaker? That's the, the shayla. So the Gemara says, I Amri, Megas guy is... Oh, I'm sorry. So the case is going to know the and she made another. She's not going to eat two olives. Bishama aris The husband hears about it, removes the vow. and then she eats both olives. guy is if half of the vow is still 100 percent intact. Laki, she'll get lashes. Kalish. But if she overall just weakened the vow, it's just a shvacha vow. Then he's sure to Then he's just over an iser. Huh? It's a good shayla. It could be that maybe it was the only thing they had to eat or something. I, you're right. I, it's it's the case so, must be something that's that's related to both so of them. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Hundred percent of one, right? Yeah. So then you get makhis and eat Yeah. Then it's just a weaker nether. So it's just perceived as like, oh, you're over a weaker nether. You're over a nether. You're not going to get lashes. We never have that in any It's a very interesting perspective. Also, this kind of sounds like a Chakira from Rav Chaim. It doesn't even seem like a Gemara. It feels like a Chakira from the like from the Achroinim. The Gemara is speaking this out. Is it a hundred percent intact, fifty percent of what it was, or is it just overall a weaker nether? And then, the, then the second part can just wipe it out. Meaning, did you like remove half the stain, but half the stain is still intact? Or did the first husband just spray, and now it's overall, it's kind of, and then the other the husband could just, and that's, that's the Shiloh. So we're going to run through the daf fairly quickly. <laughs> so Toshima, let's bring a raya. In two dafim, the Mishnah is going to tell us the following rule. The rule is that when the husband dies, the father now has full jurisdiction, which makes sense because the husband died, she's back to being single. But if the father dies, the husband cannot just revoke the vows until Nisuin. So if you have this after Kedushin, so it's 50-50, if the husband were to die, the father is now in full control, because she's back to being single. But if the father were to die, the husband is not in full control. And there is no removing of the vows until marriage. So the Brisa gives, um, I think Art Scroll has the, a chart, the Brisa gives five cases most of these cases are pretty identical with each other. Yeah, uh, it has five cases. Most of them are pretty identical. There's a very long run to understand the nuance of why these cases are different. I'm just going to go with the basic concepts, and you could always elaborate further into the Rishayim on your own. But just to 
Pashat, when does, the, again, the rule is that when the husband dies, it goes to, the power goes to the father. When the father dies, it does not go to the husband. So the Gemara says like this, what are the rules? So case number one. When do we say that if the husband dies, the rights of revoking goes entirely to the father? So it's when it's the following circumstances. Bizman, it's basically when the husband did not mekayim the vow before he died. Because if the husband was mekayim the vow, even when he dies, although it's like a restart because she's single now, but if the husband was already mekayim, it's too late. So it's bizman It's either where the husband didn't hear about the vow before he died, because if he didn't hear, obviously he couldn't have been mekayim the the, the the nether to say it's a good nether, or shashama vehefer, or he heard about it and he re- removed it, so he definitely was not mekayim it. Or he heard about it, didn't say anything, but he died that day. Because basically, if someone hears about the vow and doesn't say anything for 24 hours, that itself is a, um, uh, uh, um, it's an agreement. It's a, what's called, it's like a, a passive-aggressive way of agreeing. So the only way that the husband, get the father gets the power is when the husband was not Mekayim the Tanai. So either he didn't hear about it, he heard and revoked, or he heard, didn't say anything, but died within 24 hours. But he was not Mekayim it. If he was Mekayim it, it's too late. Makes sense. Then the Brisa says, That's the scenario where if the husband dies, the rights go to the father. Go to the next page. Short. But if the husband hears about it and he's Mikhaim the Tanai, the Nedar, he confirms it, then it's too late. Or he hears about it, doesn't say anything for 24 hours, and then dies. But 24 hours pass, it's already a passive-aggressive way of being mekayim it. And yachalafer, it's too late. Because once it's already mekayim, then, then even if the husband... The concept is basically when the husband dies, he sort of gives over his rights like as an inheritance back to the father, so to speak. That's how they're looking at it. But if the, the husband was already um, substantiated the nether, then, it's, then the father can't... Can't overrule that. That that that's not going to work. Fine. Case number two. Shama. By the way, this is all not Nagaya except for the last case, which I'm not sure whether we'll do today. It's technically on tomorrow's daf. We'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll do it. I don't. Yeah, so th- we'll just run through this quickly because it's not Nagayas. Case number two. Shama avia. If the father heard about the nether and revoked it. And then the husband died. I'm sorry. Then the father died. So the father revoked it, but then the father died. What's the halacha? The halacha is the husband does not have the ability, even though the father revoked it already. So you'd think that the husband would just be like, too late. Once the father dies, the husband does not have full control. So, the husband... Wait, so the father revokes so it, means that it's over. No, it's over from his side. From his side. But the halacha is that when he dies, the husband does not have full control. So therefore... The, the halach is basically that when you die, it restarts. No, true. But when you die, when someone dies, it restarts. So when the father dies, it sort of like erases everything he did. So the husband, you're asking him basically, he's sort of, he's doing it on his own, which he can't. That's, that's how we perceive it, huh? It, well, it, it's, it's basically, it's in the ether. <laughs> that's the point. When the husband dies... His revocation, even if he was revoking, it, it's, it's nullified. But she's now being single, and she's now back to her father's house, so the father can do it. But when the father dies, and, and once he dies, then it's sort of like erased what he did, 
but now you can't have the husband, the husband, you're basically asking the husband the, after Kedushin to just revoke it on his own, which he can't. So then it says, <laughs> The husband does not have the rights. That's case number two. Case number three, which is very similar. The husband hears about it and revokes it. And the father didn't hear about it, and then the husband died. Meaning, so the husband died, just the father didn't hear about it. It goes to the father. The Ran describes why the only difference between this case and the first case is that the father didn't hear about it. So basically, you might think that it would make a difference whether the father heard about it or not, because when the father hears about it, that sort of brings him into the Shaila. So you might think that the father only gets the rights when he heard about it before the husband died. Kamash it doesn't matter. That's the point. That's basically, it's, it doesn't matter when the father heard, whether he did hear, did hear, didn't hear before the husband dies. Husband dies and didn't Mikhaim, the father has the rights. Um, okay, case number four. Shama Baila Vahefila. The husband heard about the vow and revoked it. And the father didn't hear about it and the father died. So meaning, you want to know if the husband has full rights? The answer is no. Again, this is the exact same case that we said before that the husband has. The, the only difference is that the father didn't hear about it before he died. So you might think that because the father didn't hear about it, he was never involved. So the husband maybe is the only like real party at play. No, Kamash and it's the same halacha over and over again. Now, case number five is the beginning of tomorrow's daf. I'll, I'll do it very quickly, and maybe tomorrow I'll elaborate more. The last case, and this is why it's Negea. Shama Avia Vehefila. The father hears about the vow and revokes it. Okay. That's so far so good. And then the husband dies. So the father revoked it. Husband died. So you'd be like, easy. That's, yeah, great. Just goes to the dad. The father has to repeat the revocation for the chilek that he got. Meaning he revoked his half. Husband dies, so now he sort of acquired the husband's half. So he's got to say it one more time, Odpam. I'm revoking now on behalf of the, the chilek I just acquired. Okay, it makes sense. Basically, he's getting the father's inheritance, the husband's inheritance. He's, he's acquiring it. It's so far so good. Um, Rav Nassim, Rav Nassim says this concept that, again, we've had till now, and this is the main point. When the husband dies, the rights go to the dad. That's Pashit. The only thing now we're saying is the husband revoked his half, then the, the father revoked his half, then the husband died, he also gets it. Okay, makes sense. I'm Rav Nassin, hein hein diver That's Beishamah's opinion. Beishel oimim eni achel hafer. Beishel says no good. Why? Says the Gemara, shma minah, l'beishamah mikas gaiz, l'beishel mikalash kalash, shma minah. What's the explanation? The explanation is as follows. According to Beishamai, when a husband revokes the vow, when the father revokes the vow, or the husband, whatever, it's cutting it in half. So when the father, so what's the case? The father revoked the vow, then the husband died. So what happened? According to Beishamai, the father revoked his vow, so he erased entirely his half. What was left was a full 100% of the husband's. When he died... It was given over to the father. He erases that again. So far, so good. Beis Hillel holds miklash kolish. Beis Hillel holds that when you revoke the vow, you don't actually remove half of it. You just weaken it. 
And a side effect, apparently, of a weakened vow is that it cannot be given over as inheritance. So says Beis Hillel, when the, husband, when the father revokes his vow, he doesn't actually remove half. He just makes it weakened. A weakened vow cannot be given over. So when the husband dies, it can't be given over. Let me just read you the rush. Well, the rush says... Exactly. Meaning, meaning, if you look at it, like Beishamai looks at it as there's two halves. When the hus- when the father, I keep saying, when the father revokes his side, he removes his side entirely. What's remaining is very strong, so strong that the husband can now give it over to the father when he dies. So he can erase it. Beis Hillel says, no, Miklash Kalish, when the father revoked his vow, he didn't actually remove anything. He just weakened it. And apparently, that weakened state is now a weak vow. A weak vow cannot be given over. So when the husband dies, it can't be given over to the father. Because what he did was, when, when the father revoked it, he sort of just made the vow just, you can't pick it up. It, it was just shvacher, and it can't be given over. I think the lotion of the the, the, the Rashi says, "Beishamai savri megas gaius ki kadma vehever chalke chot chlushnaim is bad chalke v'adayin chatzia sheni kamei v'rashav chalke shal sheni." But Beis Hillel says it's too late because um, I'm sorry, Beis Hillel. I remember you've been tired. Mishum to Beishamai megas gaius. I'm sorry, the Ran. Kishehever av tchila hefer chalke bolvad. When the father revoked his vow, he not only affected his side, he affected both sides. Overall, it's weaker. And it's no longer a vow that can be given over in inheritance to the father when the husband died. So that, that's... It's again. It's a, it's an interesting daf. It's mamish like a. It's like a Rav Baruch Ber. It's like Rav Chaim. It's a, it's a very interesting daf. But that's that's the Gemara says. So maybe tomorrow, I'll I'll try to look over to see if there's anything that uh, comes. But that's that's the Gemara's explanation. I will stop it. Uh,